Think Again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us. Like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to social change for more than 20 years. I'm Jacques Poulet, and Jennifer won't be joining us today, but we will be in good company with Kate Willer. Executive, Executive Officer of Community Support and Information Victoria, or CISVIC for short. We'll be talking about the effect of the coronavirus uh, epidemic or pandemic on community welfare, particularly the involvement of volunteers. So welcome, Kate. Thank you, Jacques. So, first of all, though, after creating a lot of unnecessary confusion by governments, uh, particularly also in Australia, and amplified by silly but dangerous social media fake news, it now looks as if we're all agreeing on the fact that the coronavirus is here, is spreading, is dangerous, and should be contained and fought. It all means we have personally available as well as as a society, and which therefore should be enforced by governments nationally. It took us a while, didn't it? And we should correct one of the things we mentioned last week in our other uh, program on the coronavirus. The buses with presumably predatory Melbourne-based hoarders who were descending on the regional supermarket and robbing them of toilet paper, that actually was a hoax. Again, social media perpetrators. Especially far-right nationalist groups and racist groups were putting that fake news out there, especially suggesting that the buses were full of Asians, and even the age fell for it. But the other story, the U.S. story on the 17,700 hand sanitizers, that was correct. The two culprits are now giving them away to charity, which sort of nicely gets us to what we want to talk about today. So firstly, a few words about volunteering, which we are going to try and bring together with uh, the, uh, the spread of the virus. According to Volunteering Australia, volunteering is at the centre of Australia's national identity. With 5.8 million Australians, 31% of the population in some ways volunteering in the year 2017. Uh, the Volunteering Australia continues. Volunteering has woven itself into the fabric of every day, and Australian society is increasingly dependent on volunteering activities and programs. This includes the arts, education, emergency services, sports, environment, health, aged care, disability support, tourism, and community welfare. So today we're looking at the effect of the coronavirus outbreak on the community welfare sector and its work in supporting Australians at the local level. In particular, we are looking at the huge dependence of the community welfare sector on volunteers. Whilst we're very much aware of the importance of volunteering, both for those who offer their time and their support and for those who receive it, 
the very substantial dependence of the sector on volunteers and the fragility of this arrangement has become really evident with the coronavirus outbreak. And to help us understand this situation, even as, as it is unfolding, I'll now turn to Kate, uh, who uh, already introduced uh, as the uh, CEO of the uh, Community Support and Information Victoria Peak Body, CISVIC. Hi, Kate. How are you, how are you holding up? Yeah, yeah. Look, I guess it's um, it's such an incredibly challenging time, and just nothing yeah. that we have mm-hmm. ever thought possible. So, can you tell us a bit about community information and support, Victoria? What does yeah. your peak body and the numbers and the members' organisations do? And in general, yeah. what role do volunteers play? Yeah. So, our um, our role is to um, as peak body to help local communities, help local people. Um, so at the coalface, our local centres are generalist place-based services that are deeply embedded in the local community. They are community-led, they're community-focused. Mm. Um, we deliver sites from around 60, uh, deliver services from around 60 sites across Victoria, and the services offer information, referral, advocacy, and support services, which includes um, emergency relief. Other mm. programs that mm. we offer include. Um, no interest loans, financial counselling, personal counselling, tax help, settlement programs, needle exchange, youth services, so a range of other things. And mm. each year we have contact with um, with over half a million Victorians. Mm. Um, volunteers are the backbone of our our um, sector, and without them we couldn't do the work that we do. And we have contact mm. with over half a million Victorians, so that's a lot of volunteers doing a lot of work. Um, the people that we work with are predominantly vulnerable and disadvantaged, so we're working with individuals and families who are experiencing personal and financial hardship, and many through no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to expand on emergency relief, which is kind of the core service delivery at the moment, this is mm-hmm. emergency relief is financial and material aid to provide provided to people in hardship. And we offer mm. it in the form of food, food vouchers, assistance with household bills, transport, medical bills, education costs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and um, the emergency relief sector more broadly, not just in our agencies, uh, in, in our ag- local centres, but across mm-hmm. the whole of the, um, the country, is driven mm-hmm. by volunteers. Mm-hmm. So in that way, you already have partly responded to what I was going to be asking as the next question. What, what, what will be the great differences between the various organisations and agencies? Can you share yeah. with our listeners the size, you already did part of that, and the proportion yeah. of the volunteer role in supporting people in the member agencies? Yeah. So across our local centres, we have around 450 paid staff mm-hmm. and almost 5,000 volunteers. Oh, okay. so. Yeah, so the, the ratio for us is that we have one paid worker to every 10 volunteers. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that demonstrates how they are the backbone of the sector. We can't deliver service without them. Um, and, you know, they are wonderful, dedicated, passionate volunteers. Um, we do have volunteers that work in a range of different roles. Mm-hmm, some are mm-hmm. in um, service delivery, some are in admin, reception, delivery, drivers, mm-hmm. uh, Volunteers that make up food parcels, volunteers that work in up shops. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we've got a very diverse um, range of local centres. Some of them are very small and volunteer-only centres with just 10 staff, and Mm -hmm. others have around 50 paid staff and around 500 volunteers. So um, there's a lot of um, diversity Mm -hmm. in our membership in their size and scope. Mm -hmm. Um, But critically, we have around 2,000 volunteers that are involved in our the delivery of our emergency relief program. Mm -hmm. So they're volunteers working at the front line. They're supporting individuals and families who are often in dire circumstances with a whole range Mm -hmm. of complex issues. Um, So, yeah, this is a challenging time for us. Mm. Goodness me, yeah. And uh, mostly that all happens in a sort of a, in hiding almost, because of the fact that uh, no one's sort of like, we take it sort of self-evident that they come by and do whatever they do, but the whole yeah. organisational mechanisms and uh, efforts which go to, into it are mostly unknown by people, I figure. And on that yeah. note, let's turn to Nugara by Kardahala Kiridara.
Community Radio is your antidote to social isolation. Stay connected and listen to 3CR. 855 AM, 3CR digital and streaming and podcasting online at 3cr.org.au. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm Jacques Boulet and I'm speaking with Kate Weller, Executive Officer of Community Information and Support Victoria. We're talking about the effect of the coronavirus on the community welfare sector and particularly on volunteers. Given all what you said, Kate, obviously the coronavirus, COVID-19, will have an effect on your organisation and organisations, your member agencies and the people seeking help. Can you tell me how services are being affected and how you and your member organisations are responding, particularly also the volunteers we have been referring to? Yeah, yeah. So I think... In so many ways, we're in uncharted waters, and I think mm. this pandemic is... And we're using, hearing a lot of the language, it's unprecedented, and I think not even the experience of SARS helped us understand what a virus like this could do to our communities or the world. So mm. um, our mm. organisations have had disaster management plans in place, but we've still found we've had to very quickly develop new policies, practices and service models. And mm. I think being a network of small and not-for-profits, we have capacity to be more nimble and quickly modify our service delivery, quickly modify our service delivery versus the larger, more bureaucratic organisations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we're finding is people are really anxious and nervous about not only their own health and wellbeing, not only about the whole of the Australian society and the economy, but what, you know, really concerned about the clients that they've been assisting every day. So um, it's changing everything that we're doing and impacting our workforce on every level. Um, Mm. The majority of our volunteers are over 55, with Mm. many in their 70s and 80s, which puts them at a higher risk of COVID-19. So our workforce is highly vulnerable and we're having to make sure that we can protect them at the same time while ensuring we're, we've got continuity of support for those most in need in the community. So it's a real tension. And mm-hmm. what we have had to do is actually close our local centres for face-to-face delivery and work from oh dear. Um, yeah. phone work via phones and actually ask our volunteers to stay away from their own health and wellbeing. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for them. Yeah, I can imagine because they have dedicated their lives to, or you know, the, the tail end of their lives to it. Really, yeah. unbelievable. The elder role in a particularly emergent situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have done, as you as you know, Kate uh, Borderlands. We've done quite a bit of research about volunteering, both trying to understand the crucial role it plays in the maintenance of the social fabric, the relationality of how we live of our communities and society as a whole. We have studied its importance for those who are engaged in its positions, particularly those of us who have grown old and are retired. And I put that in quotation marks, but still want to contribute as elders, as carers, support workers, especially in times of great need. And it's important for those, importance for those who they walk alongside in support and companionship with. 
And those older volunteers have now become the most vulnerable, as you said, to the dangers of the coronavirus. So what sort of challenges do you think are fairly unique to services dependent on volunteers such as yours in situations like, say, a pandemic? Yeah. Well, if I can just um, concur with you, I think volunteering is crucial to the social fabric Mm -hmm. of society. It plays such an important role in building and maintaining Mm -hmm. community connectedness. And I think the, the... um, the economic value of volunteering cannot be overstated. Um, mm-hmm. No, <laughs> it's just it's incredible. So, um, mm-hmm. what our volunteers are driven to do the work they do for a number of reasons, and they want to help people, they want to give back to society, they want to share their knowledge and skills, they're looking for social connection. But you know, at the core of it all, they want to help people in need. So, mm. the you know the tension for them is we've got volunteers who want to rush forward to help people in need, but with COVID nineteen, we're having to hold them back and protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think what we've found our experiences disasters in Australia is that they tend to be around fires and floods where there's a segment of the communities that are directly affected and most are not. And in Mm -hmm. these disasters, we can rush forward to help others who have been affected without it being a risk to ourselves. But um, what I think this is a pandemic has done is exposed to us the the fault line of Mm -hmm. volunteering in emergency relief services because our volunteers are at a higher mortality risk of COVID-19. They are really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Many are staying away by their own volition or because their family are telling them to stay away. Exactly. But many are now being directed by us to stay away because we have a duty of care to protect them. And the impact it's going to have on us is we've got fewer people. You know, we've got a workforce ratio of one paid staff member to every 10 volunteers. Mm-hmm. We've got one paid staff member trying to do the job of those 10 volunteers as well. So oh, it's yeah. going to put, an, you know, enormous pressure on on the paid workforce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the emergency relief sector is not like other community se- sectors mm-hmm. where, because government doesn't fund the delivery of the program, they yep. they give us money to give to the community, but they don't give us money for a paid workforce. We That's rely right. entirely on volunteers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this isn't just um, true for community information support services. This is true for other emergency relief providers like great, Salvation yeah. Army and Anglicare and United Care Catholic Vinnies, you know, they're all struggling now because their core mm-hmm. workforce in emergency relief are volunteers. Mm-hmm. Demand is increasing. We've got limited resources and a significantly reduced workforce. So it's yeah. crazy yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, we just have come out of the bushfire tragedies here and all of the kinds of things we have learned. Uh, yeah. Also, you know, the, the vulnerability of the volunteer, uh, and particularly also what I'm always coming back to is the fact that we are just so doing so little on general prevention. You know, yeah. the preventative sector has really been eroded, I think, over the last 20, 25 years, which is what we talked about last time. Yeah. We'll probably now go to another another promo from the station. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here. And we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period, but things will sound a bit different. 
Some programmers will present their shows on the phone and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe and be kind to each other. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Jacques Boulet here and speaking with Kate Weller, Executive Officer of Community Information and Support Victoria. We're talking about the coronavirus, the community welfare sector and how it is affecting volunteers and how the effect on volunteers is affecting service delivery. Quick, Kate, what what would help you and your member agency to better serve the community, both those we call clients or recipients and those who offer their companionship and their support in general and in the current coronavirus crisis? I'm just thinking about things like insurance, support for volunteers who have to interrupt their relationship with those they have supported, the need to Mm -hmm. substitute their unpaid work with paid work across the various areas of activity of the agencies. But I'm sure you will have more details about their immediate issues and the breadth thereof and the possible precariousnesses that that are now emerging. Yeah. And I think we're still grappling with that question. We're still not sure what it is that's going to be the answer to the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be something that we don't actually figure out till we're in recovery stage and even post-disaster because I think mm. we're so much in the midst of the crisis that it's really hard to think about what is going to make a difference now to support mm. volunteering interruptions like this. Um, mm-hmm. I think what it, you know, it's demonstrating for us is how precarious the emergency relief sector is to situations where our volunteer workforce becomes unavailable. Like, you know, it has the potential to, to halve or, you know, overnight just because we don't have that workforce. So um, I think, it's, you know, it's creating such a difficult position mm-hmm. for us. We've got, the, as I mentioned, those volunteer-only agencies and they've actually had to close their doors because and stop service delivery for you know for an unknown period of time just because they haven't got the resource to do the mm. service delivery safely. Mm. Um, I think a key um, strength of our sector is its ability to be nimble and responsive, and it has a commitment to collaboration as well. And we're having weekly teleconferences with our local centres who are sharing policies, procedures, resources their service mm. delivery models, um, you know, they, and these practices are changing almost daily as we're, you know, grappling with new levels of um, lockdown. Mm. So it's going to it's going to continue, continually be this kind of situation where we're evolving on a daily basis. Um, so mm. us, though, we've just got concerns about whether... Um, we are deemed an essential service. We're still waiting for advice from state and federal government okay, to know sure, if we're okay, going to be yeah. allowed mm-hmm. to continue to deliver soft, uh, service if a you know full lockdown is imposed. So, mm-hmm. we're, right. we're, uh, you know, I think we're just finding we're in the midst of the crisis. We're delivering services best we can remotely, but there are going to be more and more local services that will have to close because they don't have the workforce um, mm-hmm. or the infrastructure to deliver. Um, mm-hmm. We've also got um, volunteers who work with us under mutual obligation with Centrelink, and there has been a, um, a reprieve from mutual obligations till the end of this yes, month. Yes, but, yes, yes. You know, that's going to be an issue as well because um, 
we, I mean, we hope that the government will extend that. You know, we've got volunteers who can't come into mm-hmm. sites to deliver because it's not safe for them to do so, or sites mm-hmm. are closed, and we don't want them to be penalised in any way. Okay. Um, yeah. so, That's still yeah. what, 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 what I refer to as the Centrelink volunteers. Yes. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. People who, instead of, of going uh, because of their age or something, that's rather difficult for them to go for for work, opportunity paid work, that they yeah. can actually supplement their obligations by volunteering. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so finally, because we're reaching almost the end of our interview or in our time on 3CR today, what would you propose for the entire sector, welfare and volunteering? Should start be what should we start being concerned about and possibly prepare mm. for, especially mm. after the pandemic will abate because it will abate. We know that. Yeah. What should we prepare for? Yeah. So we're starting to talk about this now because what we don't want to do is lose the volunteers that we have had. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it really important for us that we keep them informed and engaged with our services as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so for us, um, we're encouraging all of our local centres to send weekly emails to their volunteers mm-hmm. just to say, you know, we're doing services, we how many clients we've seen, these are the kind of outcomes we can get. You know, keep them engaged and, um, and you know, and willing so that they, they will come back when the pandemic's over. Mm-hmm. I think for us, um, we're looking at, to how we can better use technology in the long run. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we... we we do struggle with technology with some of our volunteers because they are older, you know, 70s That's or 80s right, or the yeah. 90s, and using technology is a real challenge for them. So, But I think this is showing us we've got to be ready to mm-hmm. use technology for, um, the, you know, the greater good. Um, yeah, and exactly. it has so many platforms now that are useful to do that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the, mm-hmm. just the final mm-hmm. point, I think for us what this vulnerability is showing is that We've got to foster greater diversity in the profile of our volunteers. We've got to have mm-hmm. more younger volunteers. And we know yes, there's lots of younger yes. volunteers out there, but we've got to harness them for our sector so that we've got you know, a workforce mm-hmm. that is less vulnerable to something like mm-hmm. this pandemic. Exactly. Mm. Thank you, Kate. Uh, a lot of uh, things to think about, but also thank you so much for joining us this morning and to share with us the, uh, you know, the, actually the, the precariousness of the situation and particularly yeah. a, a side of it, which is mostly unknown to people. You're talking about an enormous gap in preparedness for uh, dealing with the pandemic and its consequences for very vulnerable people. And when the people who are providing support are becoming vulnerable themselves, that indeed presents us with a really big problem. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you also to uh, Michaela for helping us uh, doing the panel today. The uh, Borderlands uh, is basically in lockdown (laughs) and we are trying to do all the kinds of things we need to do uh, remotely. Thank you for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with just me today, Jacques Boulet, and with Kate Weller from Community Support and Information Victoria. Remember, if you do want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands on borders 
at borderlands.org.au and just put Think Again in a subject line. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. And to bring us into this program, we have Kev Carmody, which with uh, I've Been Moved. By the wind upon the waters And the shadows as the leaves When that old wind moans On a weary way to Sunday Like a friend that keeps on knocking at my home I've been moved Watching nature slowly turning Through the seasons and the patterns that she brings sweetness of the air in spring I watch the moonlight flood across them sleepy hills and valleys I heard the sadness in a requiem I've been moved watching something that's been suffering be it humankind or any living thing from the fury of the You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.